0: Hello, welcome to Workplace Wake Up, I'm Jen Shaw. Every week I spend about 15 minutes covering legal developments, introducing you to interesting guests and providing some entertainment to start your workday. We're gonna talk about documentation. Now, this is a super interesting topic to me because everybody wants to talk about the need to document. But I don't hear a lot of people talking about what the documentation should look like. So, yes, document, 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 whether you're making a hiring decision or a termination decision or you're giving someone performance feedback. But the substance of that documentation matters. So I had a situation one time years ago where I was litigating for a client. We had a case in uh, federal court and one of the issues that was being raised was an age discrimination issue. And this woman had applied to work at a convenience store. She was about 65 years old, pretty, pretty slightly built. And the manager thought she just wasn't appropriate for an overnight shift at the convenience store. He thought it was a safety issue. But he wrote on her application in big, bold, Sharpie ink, too old. So I asked the clients for documents so that I can respond to a discovery request from her lawyer because she had sued for age discrimination. And this document comes across and I called the owner of the business. I said, well, we have to settle. Like if I produce this document, it's a slam dunk on age discrimination. I know we're saying it wasn't because of her age, but we wrote too old at the top of the document. So. What your documentation looks like, what it says, where it's stored, all of that matters. And when you are thinking about creating documentation, I want you to also think about what's it going to look like? What am I going to say? Right? So it should be dated. It should be easily identified as you being the author. You should talk about both sides of a conversation. I often read documentation that either says, I talked to Jen on Tuesday about her performance. I told Jen, 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 Jen, and then we ended the meeting. So all the person does is say what they said. Or they say, I talked to Jen about her performance, and Jen Jen said, Jen said, Jen said, Jen said, and they don't say anything about what they said to Jen. The whole purpose of contemporaneous documentation is creating a record that you can use to show why you did something. So obviously, if you've got documentation that is legible, dated, able to be identified, it's going to be stronger documentation than chicken scratch on the top of a Southwest Airlines napkin that could have been done by anybody at any time right? So some of you might be wondering, okay, but wait a minute. Maybe I create documentation. Maybe I don't do it perfectly, but no one's going to see it anyway. How are they going to see what's in my notebook? Well, as you know, we have several labor code provisions that require employers upon request by an employee or former employee to provide copies of payroll records, Uh, Those are the itemized wage statements, also personnel records, hiring documents, benefit enrollment, performance reviews, corrective actions, that sort of thing. And then also any document that contains the employee's signature under labor code section 432 has to be provided to the employee or the former employee. So there are a lot of different documents we have to provide. Now, what you're not hearing in that list is emails notes from my private notebook that I keep on everybody, right? Which I don't, by the way. But if you did, it's not a bad idea. Um, Those are not included in those. Those types of documents are not included in the provisions I just mentioned. So labor code section 1198.5, which deals with personnel records, payroll um, records come out of labor code section 226. And then the documents that bear the employee's signature come out of labor code section 432. But when you have to produce those emails and those notes are when you're in an actual lawsuit, all right? Or there's been an administrative agency complaint that's been filed with the Department of Fair Employment and Housing, which is now, of course, called the Civil Rights Department or the Federal Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. That's when those records are going to be handed over. Remember, when you get a discovery request in litigation, There are very few exceptions that allow you to withhold a document. One of the obvious ones is a communication with your lawyer, right? That's going to be covered um, by the attorney client privilege. But if you think about all the documents you have in your custody or control, right? Your possession, custody, or control, you're going to have to turn those over. So documentation matters. Now, It doesn't only matter for litigation, right? Or for trying to show um, an employee or former employee, you know, what's in their file. Documentation also helps you remember what's gone on. So if you're writing 20 performance reviews every year for your team, you're going to need documentation along the way to remind you, okay, what happened this year? What did they do well? What do they need to improve on? Without that documentation, it's very difficult to ensure that you're giving a fair assessment of the person's performance, right? So when you think about documentation, I want you to think about a couple of different concepts. First of all, documentation should be timely. I had a client the other day who is facing an agency complaint with the Civil Rights Department. And he said, oh, I didn't write down all those meetings that I had with her, but let me go back and do that. Don't bother. That's not contemporaneous documentation. Any documentation that you create after the fact is going to be heavily scrutinized in terms of credibility. So we want to think about that from the perspective of, look, how are we going to ensure that people are getting documentation that is contemporaneous, that is accurate, that actually tells a story? So You doing something after the fact isn't going to cut it. So timely documentation is important. The other thing I want you to think about with documentation is not to make it personal. Let me give you an example. You could say Jennifer is too lazy and it takes her too long to respond to her email messages. Okay, so you added the part that Jennifer is lazy. What you should be documenting are facts. Some of you know that I get hundreds of emails every week and it can be hard for me to respond to all of them as quickly as I would like. But that doesn't necessarily make me lazy, right? Some of you have been gifted the reply response that I send at two o'clock in the morning, which I'm trying to not do. But it's one of those things where it may be factually that I'm not getting to them as quickly as I would like. That doesn't necessarily mean that your opinion that I'm lazy is going to be accurate. So when you're documenting something that happens at work, you document facts. You don't document feelings that you're having about the person's performance. Now, you might document feelings if I say, well, my coworker, um, Laura, has been uh, saying some really inappropriate things to me and it really hurts my feelings. You might document that because I'm stating a fact. What you're writing down is what I'm telling you. I'm telling you that my feelings are hurt. Therefore, that's what you're going to write down. But documentation has got to be useful, not only timely, but also substantive enough that we can tell what's going on and why it relates to the situation. Now, documentation comes into play in the workplace in all sorts of different ways, right? It's not just HR decisions. You could have documentation of safety issues. You could have documentation of uh, visitors who've come to the office. You know, there's all kinds of documentation that we create every day. But when we're focused on employee documentation, what human resources professionals are creating, I want you to know that it can help you or hang you, right? So just doing documentation is not enough. The documentation has got to be done appropriately. Now, The other thing you've got to remember about documentation is keeping it. Where are you going to keep it? Where is it going to be stored? How are people going to know you have it? So if you walk around all day with one of those little um, composition books and people know you have composition books, okay, great. Make sure they know where to find them. If you've left the organization and you've moved on and they need to know what is in that file or what is in that composition book, Maybe you've stored it in a file somewhere. You got to let them know that, right? They they need to know where they can find that information. So, having really good documentation that is like a buried treasure is not going to help, right? You've got to be able to to access that documentation when you need it. One of the mistakes that I, I see a lot of employers make is they want the employee to sign the documentation. Well, sometimes that's appropriate when you're giving a review, for example, or you've given someone a write-up. You might say that you want them to sign it to acknowledge it, but I don't care if they sign it. So people will say to me, well, what if they don't do it? You just write "Refused to sign. You're done, right? You don't have to worry about it. They don't have to sign it. You have given them that documentation, that memo, that performance review, whatever it is, they can choose whether or not they want to sign it, but you know you've given it to them. I don't recommend having employees sign little notes that you're keeping about their attendance, for example, or their attitude or missing deadlines, that sort of thing. If you're not giving them a memo or a counseling or corrective action, issue or um, document, and you're just kind of keeping track of what's going on, they don't need to sign that. It doesn't matter. Now, documentation also comes up in terms of doing investigations, right? If you're doing internal investigations, you might be writing down what the witnesses are telling you, or you may have an investigation work plan that you've prepared. You're going to write a report, right? An investigation report. That's all documentation. So you always want to think about, once again, am I doing it in a timely way? Am I doing it in a way that is substantively helpful? And do I have a way to keep this documentation so I know how to access it down the road? So when we talk about documentation, I think some people think it has to be very formal, like I need a special notebook or I need a special program that Um, that I can run, a special computer program that I can do. No, I mean, it really can be written on the back of a Southwest napkin. If it's dated and it's substantive and I can read it, it's legible, right? If there's ketchup all over it, that's gonna be a different issue. So when you're doing documentation, just think about for just take a millisecond, why am I doing this? Why am I creating it? How might I use this down the road? A lot of times I think we're writing things down and we're not really thinking about why we're writing them down or why we would be using them down the road. And when you think about it from that perspective, I think it helps you figure out, oh, okay, well, what should my documentation look like and and where should I store it and what should be done? So there are so many examples of documentation that um, has created liability for employers, you know, emails that people don't think will be made public. Um, accidental sends of text messages, notes that people have generated along the lines of she's too old for the job. There's so many examples of this. And I just want us to be a little more present when we're preparing documentation and think a little more strategically about why am I doing it and what am I going to do with it, right? And if you think of it from that perspective, you're going to be very successful in preparing documentation that is defensible and that gives you the ability to make decisions in the workplace with a little backup. Because it's always nice to be able to go back. I had a situation one time where a client had um, a lawsuit. This was in the very early days of the Private Attorney General's Act, wage hour claims, the PAGA claims. And they got a PAGA claim for rest breaks and meal periods, And their board of directors called me and said, well, you didn't give us good advice. I said, oh, but I did. I have this email that I sent. And I cannot tell you how excited I was when I saw the email. It was so laid out. It was perfect. This is the rest break rule. This is the meal period rule. This is what you should do because you're running a cafe. This is how it should work. It was unbelievable how helpful that was. And that kind of documentation is just as important, right? So there are a lot of different types of documentation, but these same rules are going to apply. And I just want to encourage you, as I mentioned earlier, to be a little more strategic and take a little more time planning what you're doing with your documentation so it really does help you. Have a great week and be well. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to spread the word, Please share it with others, post about it on social media and or rate and review it. Of course, you can also follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter, and email us at info at Workplace Wake Up, including its guests and hosts, do not provide legal advice in this podcast. Do not act upon any of the information discussed in this podcast without consulting a licensed attorney in your jurisdiction.